Welcome to Total Teen Health and Wellness, the podcast for parents of teenagers to learn more about how medical and mental health issues are affecting their teen children. This is Dr. Shauna Garza, and I'm an adolescent medicine physician, providing essential education and helpful guidance to parents of teens and young adults. This podcast encourages parents to empower their teen children to live healthy and balanced lives. Welcome back, everyone. It's Dr. Shauna Garza, your host of Total Teen Health and Wellness. This week for episode 19, I'm going to go over common issues that I see in teens related to women's health and gynecology. The last few episodes, I've spent talking about contraceptive care, about healthy sexuality, about sexually transmitted infections. So if you have a teen or young adult that's dealing with these issues, I encourage you to go back and find my most recent episodes that deal with these other issues and concerns. Today, we're going to talk about teen gynecology. This is a very big part of my practice. I get referrals from pediatricians, from other word of mouth, from moms with concerns that find me to help their teen girls and young adult girls deal with different gynecology issues. Often it's overwhelming for a teen, say a 15, 16 years old, to go to their mom's gynecologist. They maybe feel overwhelmed in that setting. They may see pregnant women and kind of not feel that they fit in in that environment. And of course, gynecologists do an amazing job with patients overall. But what we serve is in that in-between time where teens have their own issues and want to be in a space that feels comfortable to them. And adolescent medicine is a perfect fit for that. Many patients come to me complaining about their periods. Their periods can cause them lots of distress, lots of symptoms, missing school and activities, and making it overall hard to manage. Patients will report cramping. Many women have experienced that themselves, but when cramping is associated with nausea and vomiting, when they're missing school multiple days each month due to cramping, we get very concerned. And we talk to patients about ways to treat those symptoms. Many patients have heavy flow where their flow is too heavy, it's lasting too long, and with that, they can have risk of anemia and feel very fatigued and winded from the amount of flow that they're having each month. Many patients have an irregular cycle, and that can be also very hard to manage, especially for my high school patients who are athletes and cheerleaders and doing different activities. It's hard for them to manage their periods when they have an unpredictable cycle. And irregular periods can mean where patients will be late and have a period, say, every six, seven, eight weeks. Or it may be patients that are having periods too often, where their periods are coming every 14 to 18 days. Either one of those ends can be hard to manage for a teen, especially when they're managing so many other things in their life. We talk to a lot of patients about mood concerns. Mental health is also a real focus in adolescent medicine, and we know there's a lot of overlap of mental health concerns with period concerns. Patients may have PMS, which is very common, 
as moms and women, many of us have experienced that ourselves. And that's more of the irritability, easily annoyed, feeling kind of tired, those feelings that can happen, of course, in the week or so before your period starts. But there's also a concern of patients having significant mood changes where they may feel depressed and down, even having dark thoughts, feeling very apathetic, feeling low energy and motivation. And all of those symptoms are in line with what is called PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So those patients may have depressive type symptoms for one to two weeks every month related to their menstrual cycle. That, of course, is very hard for them to manage. It may affect their functioning at school and work. It may affect their relationships. And so it's important for us to know about that and really talk about the way treatment can help improve their mood and improve those depressive symptoms. Some patients have what's called menstrual migraine, where they get significant headaches typical of a migraine headache during their cycles. That is also something that can affect their functioning and having them miss school and work and other social activities. Many patients are very concerned about acne. Acne in general, we know, is hormonal in most teens as they're going through puberty changes and Often patients will have flares of their acne with their periods, and sometimes that acne can be very distressing to them where they're self-conscious about it, they worry about it, it can be even painful. And so that's a very real concern that if patients feel that acne is not improving with other measures, we might talk about how can we help treat that, especially when it's related to their periods. So as you can see, there's a lot that can happen with periods that can cause symptoms and problems, and that's something we talk about in our office and offer ways to help patients feel better. I also wanted to mention some other conditions that may be diagnosed and revealed in the teen years. There's a diagnosis called polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, that I frequently test for and often find in my patients, especially those that have certain concerns when they come to me. One of the main things that patients have that needs to be evaluated for PCOS are irregular periods. And these are not the irregular periods necessarily that are like five weeks or six weeks. It's patients that tell me they're only having two, three, four periods a year. They're going several months in between cycles or having very infrequent cycles. When I hear that about a patient, especially if their pattern has always been that way and it's never regulated um, as they go into their middle and later teen years, it's important for us to look for PCOS. Some patients will have acne with that. They might have unusual hair growth. They may have other symptoms kind of related to hormonal imbalance. So what PCOS is, is the name is kind of confusing. It has ovarian cysts in the name, but you don't have to have ovarian cysts to have the diagnosis. It's actually a hormonal imbalance where the ovaries are producing too much testosterone and what are called male-related hormones. As women, our ovaries make a variety of hormones, including ones that are more male-related like testosterone. 
So when patients have too much testosterone, that affects how their ovary functions, and often they will have other symptoms related to excess testosterone, like acne and the hair growth. Essentially, patients that have PCOS are not ovulating on a regular and predictable cycle, and so they're having very irregular periods. Later in life, this can be a concern for fertility. As a woman doesn't ovulate regularly, it's hard to become pregnant during a short period of time, and often these patients need treatment. At my stage of treatment, treating young people, most of these patients are not desiring fertility, and they're more concerned about regulating their cycle and also preventing complications that can be associated with PCOS. There is treatment with hormonal treatment that I've talked about in contraceptive care, going back to that episode to review the different options of contraceptive care, but those hormonal treatments help regulate the ovary production of testosterone. There are also medications that are kind of unusual, but metformin, for example, is a diabetes medicine, and that medication can be used to help regulate the ovary and also correct insulin resistance issues. That is one of the things that can be a complication of PCOS that we worry about is some of these patients can have insulin resistance and that can put them at risk for certain metabolic issues and lead towards pre-diabetes or even the development of diabetes. So treatment of PCOS really is important to help regulate periods, potentially conserve or preserve fertility, and also preventing diabetes and other metabolic concerns. Separately, I do have patients that are diagnosed with ovarian cysts, and they may come to me after seeing a um, urgent care or, or emergency room and going in with pain and being diagnosed with ovarian cysts, and we'll talk about ways to prevent ovarian cysts in the future. Some ovarian cysts need to be followed where we have to follow up with repeat imaging. And occasionally I've had patients that have needed surgery, but that's very unusual. Most patients that have ovarian cysts have small cysts that resolve on their own and that we monitor over time. Some patients come in with concerns about pelvic pain. Pelvic pain can be different than cramping and essentially it's pain that's not associated with your period. It can be hard for patients to identify where the pain is coming from because they may think it's their bladder, they may think it's their bowels, and all of those structures are positioned very closely in the pelvis, and so it may be hard for patients to know where the pain and discomfort is coming from. Pelvic pain can be a sign of ovarian cyst, and so often we do a pelvic sonogram to look for that when we are first evaluating patients for pain. It may also be one of the initial signs of endometriosis. Endometriosis does occur in teens and young people, and it can be a challenging diagnosis to make. The reason being is that often it doesn't show up on other testing. So we do a lot of evaluation to rule out other causes of pain, and often these patients will need a referral with a gynecologist for further evaluation. Some patients will have vulvar pain, which is external pain of the vulvar area, and that can be related to different skin issues. It can be related to infection. 
So often we really do need to take a look and examine patients, rule out infection, talk about possible causes of pain externally. Some of my sexually active patients will worry about and report pain with sex. Patients are often resistant to talk to their doctors about this or embarrassed, and we want to make sure that they know this. our office is always a safe space to talk about things that are happening with their body that they're worried about. So pain with sex can be related to infection, but for some women, it's actually more related to spasm of the muscles in the pelvic floor or even um, inability to relax those muscles. And so we also will talk through ways to relax the muscles and achieve that in order to be more comfortable during sex. Some patients need referral for pelvic floor therapy when they have these concerns. And there are physical therapists that do specialized interventions and exercises and training related to learning to relax the pelvic floor. So as you can see, there's many things that I may go over with patients related to women's health and gynecology issues in teens. And we always want patients to know that we're here to help and no question is a dumb question. No concern is insignificant. And if things are bothering patients, there is often help and treatment that can help them feel better. In adolescent medicine, we're often the first type of doctor to discuss these concerns with patients, and we always want our office to be a safe space for that. At Girls to Women, Young Men's Health, our offices are dedicated to improving the health of teens and young people, and that includes them being able to receive good and complete care for issues related to women's health. I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening today. If this episode helped you better understand the health of your teen and you're ready to learn more, please subscribe to hear future episodes of this podcast. Consider sharing it with other parents of teenagers. And remember, parents can help their teens live healthy and balanced lives.